Hey everybody, and welcome to Onset with Errol Koenig. I'm Errol Koenig. In this episode, we talk to Samuel Pollard. Samuel is an editor, producer, and director who has worked on such films as 25th Hour, Clockers, Jungle Fever, and Four Little Girls, in which he was nominated for an Academy Award. In this podcast, I talk to him about his editing process when editing both documentaries and feature films, and also how he got a start in the industry as an editor and worked his way to producer, director, and now professor at NYU. Now here is my interview with Samuel Pollard. Hi, Sam. Hey, Errol, how are you? I'm great. Um, so just introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about what you do. I'm with this young man, Errol, from John Hopkins University. My name is Sam Pollard. I'm a professor at New York University's undergraduate film and television program at Tisch School of the Arts, the Canbar Institute. Um, and in the uh, uh, film industry, uh, you are um, an editor, a producer, and also a director, correct? Yeah, I've been an editor for over 30 years, both in documentaries and feature films. And the last 20 years, I've also been a producer, director in documentaries. Um, so I guess to start off, uh, kind of describe your editing process when you're working on a movie, um, both, you know, in the long term and also on like a daily basis. Well, we know when you're editing documentaries or editing features, there's two different approaches. So I'll start with the uh, editing of a feature first. When you're editing a feature, you usually get a script from a director or producer and you, if you accept a job, you come on the job and... When they're out shooting, every day they shoot, the, na- the next day they screen what's called the dailies. They go, we go to a screening room with the director. They don't do it as much as they used to, but they used to do it all the time. Where you would go to a screening room and screen with the director and select takes. Nowadays, they send you files of the dailies so you can screen them sometimes with or without the director. You screen the dailies and you make what's called selects. You select the best takes in terms of performance, in terms of how it's been shot. And then you go back to the editing room, and, and as they continue shooting, you start editing. So the process is, as the director and the feature film is shooting, you're editing at the same time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully by the time they finish shooting, usually 10, 12, 14 weeks, the editor should be close to what's called the rough cut of the film. You know, which then he screens with the director, and they make changes. They do a second rough cut. You make more changes, maybe do a third rough cut, and they may show it to the executives mm-hmm. to get to get feedback. You know, and then the process goes until the executives and the director is happy, depending who has the final cut. I've been fortunate to work on a lot of films with Spike Lee where he has had the final cut, so he has a final say. Mm-hmm. But I've also worked on feature films with directors who did, who did not have the final cut, where the executive producer had the final cut. So that's the process when you're editing a doc, a feature film. When you're editing, editing the documentary, it's kind of a different process. I'll give you a great example. About five years, four years ago, I edited a documentary that was on Showtime about Venus and Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. It's called Venus and Serena. Now, in that case, the filmmakers had got the permission from the two sisters to, to document their life for that one year, the year of 2011. And they spent a year following Serena, following Venus, going to the Australian Open, going to Wimbledon, being at home with the ladies where they're working out, preparing to play, you know, mm-hmm. being at the U.S. Open. And they shot over 200 hours, 200 hours of film. 
So in that case, I hadn't I hadn't been hired yet. But when I got hired, I came in, and part of my job is be to take to screen that two hundred hours of material. Mm-hmm. So I screened that two hundred hours of material, and I started making selects, selecting F, the elements that I liked in terms of interviews, in terms of the footage, which is called verite in documentary. You know, mm-hmm. we're just following people, and then. I spent another four or five months doing assemblies, building out the structure, cutting individual sequences, and then taking all those sequences and then figuring out the structure of the film. You know, so it was a completely different process. You know, mm-hmm. where you basically, when you're editing a documentary, nine times out of ten, you find the film in the editing process. With a scripted film, you have a script. Now, it doesn't that doesn't say that sometimes the script doesn't change? The film doesn't change from mm-hmm. the script, but you always have that script as a template. With a documentary, you don't usually have a template. You're shaping it, finding the film, in the editing process. So that's the difference between editing documentaries and feature films. Okay, awesome. Um, so you've worked on a bunch of great uh, movies and television, um, you know, including you know a bunch of great uh, projects with uh, Spike Lee, as you mentioned. Um, do you find that there is great value having a partnership, um, you know, with a filmmaker? I think that if you're fortunate as an editor or if you're fortunate as a screenwriter or fortunate as an actor, particularly in, in feature films, to work with directors like Spike who has a unique vision mm-hmm. and a strong point of view, it really raises your own game in terms of how you apply yourself to the material, how hard you work to make this, make make his material even better than mm-hmm. what he envisioned. So I always found it both challenging, exciting, and invigorating to work on the Spike Lee film. Mm-hmm. Always pushed me, always pushed yeah. me. And I think that's good. If you want to be in this business of making films or the craft of, or the art of making films, you need to know that all the tools that you learn, you need to put them to... You need to you need to push yourself as much as you can with those tools to make the film as good as you can make it. Mm-hmm. Every filmmaker you work with, and I've had that fortune, that good fortune to work with some documentary directors who also have vision mm-hmm. and a per- person, a perspective, a personal, a personal point of view that challenged me too, which is always good. Um, so, out of your you know extensive you know filmography, what has been some of the highlights of your career that you either you know was your favorite to work on that you're most proud of? Uh, I, if, if I had to give you any highlights, I would say there was a documentary that I was a co-editor on in 1983. The main editor was a gentleman named Victor Konevsky, and the film was called Style, S-T-Y-L-E, Style Wars. It's about graffiti in New York and hip-hop in the mm-hmm. early days of New York. And it was really a very challenging but exciting documentary to make that looked at this subculture in the New York City at that time. So that's a real, that was a great challenge and fun. Uh, I didn't think it was fun initially, but in retrospect, it was fun. I think another one that that really stands out to me is probably the first feature I did with Spike, Mo Better Blues. Mm-hmm. It was about jazz musicians. I'm a big jazz fan. In retrospect, I'm not sure it's the strongest film I worked on with Spike, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, he did a really good job. He had a great cast, Wesley Snipes, Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. It was really fun to work on. The music was great, so I enjoyed that. I think that Four Little Girls, the film that we both got nominated for Academy Award mm, for, yeah. for Best Documentary, is probably, hands down, the most important documentary I worked on, you know, in terms of just dealing with a specific 
period of history, a really tragic story in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, and Spike really did his homework, and we, we I think it was really a good film. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the 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 documentary that we did about Katrina when the levees broke, also very important film. So I would say those those four, and probably of the ones I've directed myself, mm-hmm. I would say the one I did about John Ford and John Wayne mm-hmm. for American Masters. I mean, I was a big fan of John Ford, so it was really important for me to do that film. And I would say the the last one I did about August Wilson, the playwright. Mm-hmm. It was really I really respect his work and what he did and his dedication to his work. So those films. Okay. I, do you have a preference working with a documentary or a feature? I prefer documentaries, and I'll tell you why. I mean, some editors would say they prefer features, but I prefer documentaries because I I was really trained by a really strong documentary editor, Victor Kaneski, who's also mm-hmm. a producer, also a director. And uh, the, thing I, the thing I learned about making documentaries, which I, still, which I still apply, is that they're much harder to make, more challenging to make than a feature film. Mm-hmm. Because you really have to make it in the editing process. You really have to put your, your, your thinking cap on to mm-hmm. make the film work. And I really, I mean, the thing about working on a documentary, you know, Errol, is that when you succeed, you feel triumphant. Yeah. When you fail, you feel, oh, my God. And I, I have failed. There's some documentaries that I've tried my best and I failed at. But it, but it just keeps me wanting to try again on another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, docs. Okay, awesome. Um, so let's back it up. Uh, how did you get your start in the industry? How did you, you know, get your first editing gig? Well, back in 1971, uh, the public television station here in New York, WNET, they had started a film and television workshop for people of color in 1968 after Dr. King's assassination Mm -hmm. to get more black people, Latinos, behind the camera, in the editing room, producing, doing sound. And in 71, I was going to City College, Baruch College, over on 23rd Street, not very happy. I was majoring in business, business classes. I went to see a counselor, and she told me about this program. I joined the program. I got invited to join this program, which was a one-year program. Mm-hmm. And they basically taught you how to make films, how to shoot, how to edit, how to write scripts, how to do everything. And I, I, I was uh, attracted to the editing. So I really enjoyed the editing process because I was shy and made me feel secure to be in mm-hmm. a dark room. And at the end of the program... They tried to find you a job in the business, and they found me a job as a, an apprentice editor on a low-budget horror feature film. It was really an arty-type film that was being shot in, up, up north in Westchester, mm-hmm. and I got hired to be the apprentice. And the editor was this gentleman who I've mentioned a couple of times in this podcast, Victor Konevsky, and he was... Uh, <laughs> eccentric and strange and weird to me but I could see every time I looked at something that he edited even though I didn't know a lot about editing that he had mm-hmm. a he had a sort of a unique style and approach to material and at the end of that job which was a six month job he hired me to be his uh, assistant and I and I was his assistant for the next three years and he based he basically then trained me to understand editing from both not a craft perspective but from an artistic perspective Mm -hmm. and that's where I really that was like going to graduate school Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, so would you recommend I guess a similar path for students today starting off with 
you know, it, you know, an education in film, I guess now would be like in a film school such as uh, NYU Tisch or the Johns Hopkins Film and Media Studies program, and then going off getting an apprenticeship and then becoming an assistant and working up that way? You know, it's still a way to make it in the business. I mean, I think film school's great. Why do I think film school's great? Because it's, it gives you, you know, the basic grammar. You learn the grammar of film. You learn the grammar of film in terms of the craft of it, how to make the things. You learn the grammar of it in terms of how to look at films and analyze films. It informs you going to film school. You meet other people who, you know, who can both challenge and inspire you and say, well, and maybe you want to collaborate with later on in your career, Mm -hmm. in your fledgling career. And it's, you know, and then also for some of the students that I've taught, it's been an opportunity. It's been sort of a stepping stone to get out of when they graduate to get a job i've hired a lot of former students to be apprentice editors and assistant editors and some of them became associate editors mm. some of them became co-editors some of them are their film have become filmmakers and you know and, and i think that part of the responsibility that i have as a teacher that all my colleagues have as teachers is to to help help you and others get the tools mm. to make a way in this business it's a very tough business so yeah it's really sort of like instead of going for the instead of going for one year like I did, you go for four years, mm-hmm. and you learn more than just about film, which I think is an important thing to understand about life. Mm-hmm. Filmmaking is understanding how the world works. Okay, um, so uh, I guess transitioning back to uh, you know your career, um, so you spent a, a lot of years you know focusing on editing, but then eventually you transitioned into producing and also a little bit of directing. Uh, can you kind of describe, you know, that transition? <coughs> well, I've been editing since well, I've been in editing since 1972, and around 1986-87, I got an opportunity to go to Boston to work at this company, Blackside, mm-hmm. and they had already done the epic part one series, Eyes on the Prize, and they were getting ready to go into production on part two, Eyes mm-hmm. of, of Eyes on the Prize. And they were looking for producers, and someone recommended me to the executive producer, the late Henry Hampton. I went and met him, and uh, this was this was like a big challenge. Could I, you know, I could edit, and I could mm-hmm. complain all the time about other di- producers and directors not getting good interviews and not shooting the right footage. So now it was going to be on me. Mm-hmm. So I went in, and I was co-producing with another person, and. The first project that we went out and shot, we went out and interviewed the people, we came back, and initially I was going to not only co-produce and co-direct, but I was going to also edit the pieces. Mm-hmm. And I edited the first piece, the first show, and we screened it for our Henry Hampton, the executive producer, and he hated our cut. Mm-hmm. He thought it was a disaster. In retrospect, it probably was. And uh, he had given me and the producer, the co-producer, an ultimatum. He said... He was going to give us an opportunity to re-edit the piece and make it better, but if we failed the second time, we were going to be fired. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of like, that was sort of the moment era where, I don't know if you know this term, where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. And I had to decide over a weekend, did I have it in me to be a producer or should I just stick to editing? And he gave me that. He gave me that out. He said, "If you don't think you can produce, then maybe you should just edit." Mm-hmm. And I got. I gave it. A, I had a long, tortured weekend, and I came back to Boston on Monday because I went back to New York the week that weekend. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I came back to New Boston and I walked into his office and I said, I don't want to edit. I want to, I want to, I want to make it as a producer. And so that's what we did. We mm-hmm. was able to find money to hire an editor. We hired an editor who turned out to be really good for us. She challenged us all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, it made me a producer. It was, it was a real turning point for me. Yeah. Real turning point. Um, so, and then, you know, in addition to producing, you've also, uh, you know, done some directing. Can you talk about, you know, going from editing and producing into that? Well, you know, it just turns out that the one thing, you know, the one thing that has never left me, Errol, after all these years is I still love movies. Mm-hmm. I love watching old movies, new movies, junky movies. I love movies. Mm-hmm. And I like to direct, too. So some of the docs that I've been directing, like this one, Slavery by Another Name, I've had sections in there where I've had to, have, where I've had to use actors and direct actors. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. I love it, man. It's just like, wow. And then every once in a while, I think, you know, I'm too old now, but a few years back, I thought maybe I, I had a feature film, feature film in me to direct. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, when I'm producing a doc and I get a chance to direct some actors or direct some kind of scene where there's more than just interviews and stuff, I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I just enjoy the, the, I, I enjoy the process of making film, be it documentaries, be it features, be it music videos. I enjoy the process. Okay. So two more questions. Yeah, sure. Uh, first, um, you know, as an editor, uh, you know, producer or director, um, what are a couple must-see films that a film student or filmmaker should watch, and why? Uh, you know, why are those movies so great? Must see, 1941, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. Why? Because everything about it, from the acting, from the camera work, from the editing, the the production design, the costume design, it's an absolute masterpiece. It's an absolute masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It's 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 film at its highest order, and and imagine the guy was only twenty five years old when he did yeah. it, but he understood he had great collaborators. Greg Tolan was his his director of photography, photography. Robert Wise was his editor, who went on to direct his own great films. Yeah, you know West Side Story. You know, it's 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 a masterpiece. Another film, I would say, quite honestly. Almost anything by Hitchcock except maybe the last four or five films. <laughs> so specifically, I would say Vertigo and Rear Window. Because this guy's, Hitchcock's understanding of craft is impeccable. How to, how to, how to, how to block a scene, how to, to create something imaginative when these actors are in a scene, mm-hmm. how to give you his personality in every sequence of a film of his. The guy is a master, a master. And then, you know, if these young people aren't into old films, I would say study the work of Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know, There Will Be Blood, you know, Punch Drunk Love, uh, Magnolia, this guy is a—he's a great filmmaker, mm-hmm. great filmmaker. And the Coen Brothers, even though I don't like all their films, their their craft, their sense of craft is impeccable, mm-hmm. impeccable. Okay, uh, so last question: 
what advice uh, do you have for a young aspiring filmmaker? My advice for young aspiring filmmakers, watch movies. Watch all kinds of movies. Good movies, bad movies, foreign films, everything. Mm-hmm. Watch, you know, Wang, Wang Kao Wai. Watch Kurosawa. Watch Korean filmmakers. Watch Palestinian filmmakers. Watch, every, I, I saw a film from Jordan called Thebe that was up for best foreign film. Mm-hmm. Fabulous film. Watch Son of Saul. Watch movies watch movies and then if you get an opportunity to get into some school there's programs film programs almost at every university now try mm-hmm. to get into a program one year two year three year four year program because there you meet other people who have the dream who have the 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 you know the sort of energy that want to make movies and mm-hmm. you start to collaborate with people because filmmaking is really collaboration i mean there's always that unique person that stands out the scorsese's the spike lee's but even they collaborate. And it's an important part of understanding how to make a film. Okay, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My your pleasure, Errol. Thank you. So there you have it. My interview with Samuel Pollard. Thank you so much to Samuel for such a fantastic interview. And to the listeners, thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you next time on set.